0: Welcome to your favorite podcast, Cosmic Queen. Get ready to discover soulful selling and marketing strategies. Learn how to stop overthinking everything by reprogramming your subconscious mind. And finally, level up your business, your income, and your success. Yes, girl, it is all happening right now. So grab your earbuds, light up your manifestation candle, It is time to hack the quantum field, create success that defies logic, and let out your inner alpha. Let's go ahead and get started. So today we'll be talking about one of my favorite topics as a subconscious success coach. (laughs) Try saying that like five times fast. And I feel like I say that every single week, but of course these are all my favorite topics. If not, I would not be podcasting about them and creating episodes around them. But this topic is one that is near and dear to my heart because it is something that I was so bad about and that I spent so long doing and I have stopped doing it as much and I've gotten so much better, had so much more awareness about it. So if you know me, you can probably guess what it is by now or maybe not because maybe I've gotten good enough at avoiding it that you're like, wow, I had no idea. But my friend, it is self-sabotage self-sabotage. It is, as one coach famously told me, I said, you know, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. She said, Gabby, you are the other shoe. And I was, I was chronically the other shoe. So today we're going to be talking about self-sabotage, what it is, why our subconscious mind loves it, why we do it. How can we not do it? what is going on? And I'll be sharing some of the self-sabotage patterns that I see as most common in the work that I do. So my friend, if you have ever felt like you have taken two steps forward and three steps back, that is self-sabotage. If you are wondering why you can't even get started, why you can't even take one step, that is self-sabotage. There are so many different facets of self-sabotage but self-sabotage is you acting in a way that is not in your best interest. Is you acting in a way that is totally, totally unaligned with what it is that you want and what it is that you profess to desire. And you're like, why am I doing this? And the sneaky thing about self-sabotage is that sometimes we don't even realize that we're doing it. And by sometimes I mean a lot of the time. So anytime that you are not seeing the results that you want, or not creating the things that you wanna create, I can almost guarantee that self-sabotage is going on behind the scenes. And the reason why it's so sneaky, right? There's like huge catastrophic self-sabotage, right? In my archetypes, I have you know my subconscious block archetypes and I call it the arsonist, right? So the arsonist is like, everything's going well, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna burn it down. That business, it's great. Nope, nope, gonna burn it down. And it's a trauma response, right? It is a fear response. It is us feeling uncomfortable with the lack of control. It's us wondering, my gosh, what if, how come I can't control this? I have to live in this state of anxiety of when is it going to happen? When are things going to fall apart? And so we take matters into our own hands and we say, at least, you know what? I may not have any of the things that I want, but at least I'm going to have control over the situation. And it's misguided, right? It's a misguided attempt to protect ourselves. But sometimes self-sabotage is not so obvious. Sometimes self-sabotage can be a little bit sneakier. So what I really, really encourage my clients to do, none of them will admit to massive self-sabotage most of the time. Some of them do, right? And I was a pretty big self-sabotager. So if you're familiar with my story, I was like, I'm going to do pre-med. And then every test, I would just self-sabotage, right? I would wait to study until the last minute. I would not do my homework. I would not do any of the practice problems. And then I would show up to the test and I would wing it. And then I would stress out over what grade I got. And then I would worry that my grades weren't good enough. And it was just like this constant cycle and a constant loop. And sometimes, right? Like I think in that case, I was really kind of self-sabotaging because. path was not for me. And I very much knew that it wasn't for me. So it wasn't so much that I was self-sabotaging something that I really wanted. I was self-sabotaging something that I was scared to consciously leave or pivot out of or change. And so I was creating it so that it just had to be handled for me, right? Which never really happened. I was always like, maybe if my grades are bad enough, I just won't be able to get into med school, right? And then I don't have to do any of this. And that's not what you want to do, my friend. Like, that is not what you want to do. And by the time that I got to law school, it was a little bit different, right? And I was like, well, you know, maybe I want to be a lawyer and at least I want to do well in law school. And then when I had my business and I started getting into entrepreneurship in my first business, I was like, self-sabotage actually is now basically catastrophic. (laughs) Like if I self-sabotage myself in my business, I'm not going to make any money. I'm not going to have any joy. And this business is now suddenly like pretty much my life, you know, because as entrepreneurs, there's so much overlap between what we're doing in business and how our life is going. And it's all kind of like the same mindset, right? And I was just like, wow. And then when I transitioned into coaching and doing RTT and doing subconscious stuff, it was like so much like what I just knew in my core that I wanted to do. And everything was so in alignment and was just like, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. This is my path. And at that point I was like, I can't self-sabotage anymore. And I felt the same with my husband, you know? because we don't just self-sabotage in business. We definitely do it in love. We do it in our relationships. We do it just across the board. But I remember meeting my husband and just being like, I've been such a relationship self-sabotager before. And when I met my husband, I was like, I actually can't self-sabotage this. Like, I'm not going to let myself do it because this is actually a really, really good relationship with a really, really good person. And I'm not going to let this happen. And I was just adamant about resisting the self-sabotage. And then Here's where I want you to have this awareness, right? It's like, yes, I was not doing catastrophic self-sabotage to things, right? I was not destroying this relationship, but there's still like little actions and inactions that we take that still show up as self-sabotage. So that might look like so simple. It might just be picking a fight with somebody. It might just be convincing yourself that this person doesn't actually like you it might be the whatever, right? We do it all the time in relationships and we do it all the time in our business as well. So there are lots of really sneaky, small ways in which even when we're kind of in alignment and we're not totally, totally self-sabotaging to burn things to the ground, we're still self-sabotaging to some degree. And the reason why is what I said right? I think it's that loss of control. I think it's that feeling of, you know, just the fear of, am I going to lose this? I think it's so ingrained in our psyche and our subconscious, this wheel of like, what goes up must come down. Things aren't going to be good forever. All of these beliefs, these ideas that like things are good and then they're going to go away. that we're always expecting the other shoe to drop. And so we subconsciously become that other shoe. And- I know that you don't want that. And I don't want that for you. So I always think the first step is really just awareness is being aware of what it looks like for you, being aware of what your pattern is, and just being aware of like when you are starting to upper limit. So if you're familiar with Gay Hendricks and his book, The Big Leap, upper limiting is this idea that we all have like this internal capacity, for goodness and happiness and to success and whatever. And then once we reach that inner threshold, anything above that is going to cause us to upper limit. It's going to cause us to react out of fear. We're going to trade off if our business is going really well and we upper limit in our business, it's going to show up in our relationship. If our relationship is going really well and we upper limit there, it's going to show up in our business and it's this idea that we have not built up the capacity yet for all of the goodness that we are here to receive that we still have these internal limits to how much we can have and having anything beyond that makes us profoundly and deeply uncomfortable and beyond that triggers a trauma response in us to shut it down and destroy things and self sabotage so that's a little bit on upper limiting And if you are an entrepreneur, even if you're not, I definitely suggest that you learn about upper limiting because it will change your life. When you can start to recognize that you are upper limiting, it's going to be a game changer. So I remember my first business, my gosh, 2017 was like just the craziest year for me. And... I remember I had my business and it was going pretty well. And then I started trying to have a baby, like really intentionally trying to have a second baby and I couldn't get pregnant. And I was so mad and I was picking fights with everybody and we moved into our house and it was a disaster. And now I can like really look back and see that A, had just hit six figures in my business for the first time, like hello, upper limit, Number two, we had just bought a house, like hello, upper limit, right? It was like so many big things that really, really pushed my capacity for like how much good stuff I could hold and how much I could be content with it and all of these bigger things. And I had not done that internal work. And so it showed up as just disaster, right? I remember I got a trademark infringement for some print that I had that said like country girl and someone's like, First of all, I'm like a Miami Cuban girl, like the irony of it being a print of cowboy boots with the words country girl is like not lost on me. I'm like, that is like the epitome of self-sabotage, <laughs> but I do love me some country music and I'm frustrated country singer. So it actually kind of makes sense when you know me, but I remember getting that trademark and bridge, I resolved it with the person. He was like, so nice that it was still like all of these, oh my God, freak out, freak out, freak out. And yeah, and I was just like, I can't live like this, you know? And once I discovered upper limiting and understood that, I was like, well, this makes total and complete sense. So- number one awareness that you need to have is what an upper limit is. And when you are approaching one and when you have hit one, it's usually when you hit some kind of milestone that you've never had before, you know, or when things start to get really, really good beyond a point that you've had before. And it's basically like anything that triggers unfamiliarity because unfamiliarity is like so uncomfortable for our brain. And our brain is just like, I don't know what to do with the uncomfortableness. I'm going to self-sabotage. So Besides having upper limit, besides understanding upper limits and being familiar with them, we also want to get clear on like what our unique flavor of self-sabotage is. Because like I was saying, there are some people that are like of the burn it down variety and not everybody's like that, right? For some people, it's a little more subtle. Some people do one certain thing all the time. And we'll talk about the different types that I see. And you can see which one resonates with you the most. So number one is what I call the wing clipper. So the wing clipper loves to clip her own wings. So you might be a wing clipper if you're doing great and then suddenly you stall. There's lots of stopping and starting. This is like the epitome of that, you know, two steps forward, three steps back, constantly going back and forth between you're either like going super hard and hustling and then intense periods of resting, right? So AKA... Burning out and the wing clipper that might be your way of clipping your wings, right? I know a lot of people will intentionally sometimes push themselves too far because sometimes burnout is like a love language to perfectionists. Burnout is like that time when perfectionists, it's like, well, you have no choice now. Now you have to take a break. Now you're sick or now you're exhausted. Now you can't even keep your eyes open, whatever. And it's like helping comfort that little child that doesn't feel like she can take a break, that keeps, feels like she has to keep performing or keep showing up or keep working, right? The other one is the shiny object chaser. And I see this one a lot, and I don't want you to confuse it with being a manifesting generator. (laughs) Because sometimes they look the same, right? So if you are someone who is a manifesting generator, multi-passionate, whatever, we want to build an umbrella so that you feel like you can always expand within that umbrella and you never have to really go outside of it too much. But if you are the shiny object chaser, I see this one a lot. And so people will be on track and everything's going really well. And then they'll just totally, totally derail their progress to start something new and shiny. So system overhauls are a big symptom of shiny object chasers. Things are going really well. And then they're like, you know what? I really need an entire system overhaul. I need to get on Kajabi or I need to whatever, right? And then that doesn't go well. And then it's a whole thing. And it's constantly recreating the wheel and wasting precious time and wasting precious momentum, Another symptom of being the shiny object chaser might be that you are always looking outside of yourself for answers that you should be getting from within. So there's a lack of self-trust that keeps you chasing shiny objects. So you're doing something, you're working with someone, you're doing a program that's going really, really well. And then you think to yourself, all right, I'm going to do another one. I'm going to work with somebody else and you jump to another person and then you jump to something else and you're getting these little momentary highs that start going away faster and faster and faster. And at the same time, you're learning this strategy. You're learning that strategy. You're working with this person. This person's telling you to do this. Somebody else is telling you to do that. And we end up wasting so much momentum when we get into that space. The best thing that you can do is trust yourself. Right. Is not chase the shiny objects is allow yourself to recognize when am I chasing a shiny object? And when is this actually a really, really smart pivot? When is this actually a really necessary move? The third type is the procrastinator. And this is like very, very obvious self sabotage pattern. But one of the things that's interesting is procrastination can come up at the beginning it can show up as inaction. Maybe you've been saying, I want to launch this program or I want to do this thing and you're not doing it. But the procrastinator can also show up down the road. And it's not as obvious because it's not exactly inaction, but it is going to look like you not doing the big scary thing that is going to be the thing that moves the needle forward. So when we start feeling tired, when we start feeling depleted, when we start feeling that energetic burnout, like we've got so many energy leaks and energy is just like pouring right out of you. You're taking a nap. You're watching Netflix. Nothing is helping. What are you putting off that you are scared of? And what I find too, is that for me as a procrastinator, this is my, one of my self-sabotage patterns for sure is that I get into the space of indecisiveness. And when something feels really big, what I'll do is as someone who's like a very good prioritizer and very efficient, and I love to make good use of my time, I will fill my time with lots of tasks, all the things that I need to do, right, quote unquote, but I'll keep doing all the little things until I beyond when I need to be doing them. So I did this a lot in my last business, which was very, very task oriented, right? I would get an order. I would send out a proof. I would get the edits. I would send back the proof. It was finalized. I'd send them the final files so I could spend all day doing that. I could spend all day emailing back and forth. I could spend all day doing these things. And then I never had to do the big, scary things. I never had to really do the things that were going to grow my business. I never had to show up and do marketing. I never had to launch the website that I always was planning on launching. I never had to do any of these things, right? I was able to just live in this little task space, which is really nice and gives you that hit, right? That brain hit, but it doesn't move the needle forward. And now what I find too is that in this business, it's harder, right? It's harder to procrastinate at that level because the tasks are generally bigger, more creative, right? It's launching, it's selling. But what I find is that it's not so much that I'll procrastinate by doing other tasks, but that so many of the behaviors that I don't really enjoy are procrastination, (laughs) like shopping, online shopping, right? Dining out a lot. I find that I'll do these things and it's usually when I'm procrastinating on something big. So when I find myself in that space where I'm seeking these like empty thrills, right? I immediately have that self-awareness and I'm like, oh gosh, I'm scrolling my phone, right? I'm scrolling Instagram. I am online shopping. I am searching for some elusive thing online that I'm never going to find or that I don't even need, that I don't even want, right? And why? And why? And usually it's because I'm procrastinating on something, something big. And sometimes it's not even so much that it's scary, but that a decision is required, One way or another, right? Like, whether it's the day that I'm going to start the program or what the program is actually going to be or whatever, right? There's some level of decision. And that to me, as someone who's a little bit commitment phobic and who doesn't like to be tied down to plans and all of these things, sometimes can cause me like some inner turmoil, you know? And that's like the perfect segue into my next self sabotage, the fourth type, which is the commitment phobe. And for me, I'm not like a full-on commitment phobe. Sometimes this commitment phobe also shares some traits with, in my archetypes, what I call the free bird. But there's almost like for commitment phobes and free birds, too much detachment from the outcome. So it's like lots of beliefs of like, oh, everything's just out of my control anyway. So, you know, no matter what I do, it doesn't really matter. I'm just going to let it flow. And underneath that flow is actually fear right is actually fear of like what if i actually try what if i actually commit to this thing i'm going to have to sacrifice my time i'm going to have to sacrifice my freedom i'm going to have to sacrifice something that my brain does not want to sacrifice and a lot of the time what we're sacrificing is actually just ego it's like i'm going to have to let my ego down right and actually just detach from my ego and do this thing even if it's scary and even if i'm rejected and even if all the things and In order to avoid that, we just don't commit. We say, well, maybe I'll launch this program. Maybe I'll do that masterclass. Maybe I'll do this thing. And then we keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And then maybe, I wouldn't say the opposite of that one, but maybe a little bit different is my fifth and final type, which is the controller. So the controller is a really interesting one. And I love the controller because, oh my God, speaking as a controller, we will not realize at all that we're doing it. Of all the types, I think that it's one of the sneakiest because the controller, your self-sabotage will manifest through other people seemingly, right? So if you are the controller type, if that's your self-sabotage pattern, it's going to show up in your partner's behavior. You're going to be like, everything was going great. And then my kids kept getting sick. Everything was going well. And then this happened with my kids. Everything was going great. But then my husband, blah, blah, blah. My parents, this. And people who are controllers will have such a long list of things that went wrong once things were going really well or right as they were about to do the thing. And it's because controlling others And allowing ourselves to feel like these things are out of our control, right? Give us this weird sense of security. It becomes almost like a super crutch and it keeps us from focusing on what we should be doing, right? What you might be procrastinating on and keeps us from focusing on what we should be doing to progress and move forward on our own. So there's this black and white thinking for controllers right? Which is either I'm in perfect control and everything is going to go well, or I am totally out of control and I'm terrified. And so what happens is that as we veer into that space where the magic really happens, where we actually let go of control and we let things happen in this beautiful, magical, organic way, we let go of the how, we detach, we freak out, we freak out. And so we grab onto the things that we can control, like sometimes health, right? like what other people are going through, how we react to other people, taking care of other people, all of these things. And the sneaky thing about this one is that it's actually disguised under helpfulness. I don't think anybody who is the controller nine times out of 10, they're not doing it maliciously. They're doing it because they think that it's really helpful. They think that they're loving people myself included, right? I have all of these, but we do it. We think that we're helping people, right? And we think that we're caring and what we're actually doing sometimes is kind of like running away from our own reality and what we actually should be doing and what we actually wanna be doing. And I think that that's true for all of these patterns. And I think it's true for self-sabotage in general. We have to remember, right? All of these patterns and all these behaviors that our brain has, they're not bad, Like sometimes we assign bad, the attribute of it being bad, right? And we categorize them. They're actually not bad. They are loving behaviors that our brain has created to protect us. And so the more that we can approach it from this place of love and be like, I get it. I get you trying to protect me, right? I get you, but I'm still going to do this. I still really want to do this. And I want to do it for the right reasons. I want to do it because it's aligned. I want to do it because it's for me. I want to do it because I'm ready to live. I'm ready to be present. I'm ready to let go of control. And when we can get into that space, it really is so magical. And it becomes so easy for our brain to let go once it knows that our soul, that our heart is actually in charge. So let yourself lead from that place. Let yourself lean into that inner knowing Let yourself have the spaciousness to actually hear that inner voice. And what you're going to create from that place is so magical. If you loved this episode, I guarantee you are going to love hanging out with me. So come over to my Facebook group, ready for more, change your thoughts, transform your life, and let's keep this party going.